Welcome to the Full from Frenzy podcast. My name is Jake. I'm here with Chase and Sreyas. Sam, unfortunately, couldn't join us today, but we're glad you're listening. Today, we're going to talk about conference realignment. We're also going to have a draft of our all-time favorite buffs, just specifically CU athletes. So with that, let's uh, kick it off. What do you guys think about the latest conference realignment news that's been coming out? Where do you guys think the buffs will land? What do you guys think about the overall future of the Pac-12. Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, kick it off because, you know, I've been kind of glued to this. I think it's been fascinating. I really did think originally, you know, years ago, everyone knew that this was coming. And, you know, for whatever reason, the Pac-12 kind of decided that they were just going to take a passive role. We didn't expand um, the last time where it was kind of an opportunity. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting because for Colorado, it, it seems, and I know um, Jake is going to disagree with me on this, but I think objectively speaking, it's pretty obvious that for Colorado, it's either going to be the Pac-12 or the Big 12. I will say that, you know, if if Oregon and Washington were wanted by the Big 10, I think it's, it's pretty conclusive that if the Big 10 wanted them, they would be gone, right? Oregon and Washington, it's, it's pretty well understood that Oregon and Washington went to the Big 10. Um, there's rumors that they even offered to take a lower – um, cut out of the Big Ten just to get into the conference and, and try to earn their way in. But it sounds like, in at least from the Big Ten perspective, that the Big Ten is not interested in adding any schools that are going to dilute revenue. And Oregon and Washington, believe it or not, are schools that would definitely dilute revenue. So, you know, USC, UCLA are definitely schools that come in and bring more cash. I, I do think in the long run, though, the Big Ten is going to struggle having two schools that are out there kind of an, on an island. They're going to definitely need to have you know, some sort of crossover um, at that point, maybe they add, you know, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Notre Dame has been kind of floated around there a lot. Um, unfortunately, Colorado is just not a school. It's going to move the needle. We, we work well geographically. We're an AAU school. Academically, we're there for the big 10. The problem is that we just don't bring the eyeballs. We don't bring the money. And at the end of the day, more important than anything else, uh, you got to bring the dollars. So in my opinion, I think for us, it's either hope that the Pac-12 works out um, or, or go back to the Big 12. There's been constant rumors about the Big 12 with uh, the Four Corners schools moving over. Um, I actually read today, it was kind of interesting, that Colorado's the big holdout in the Four Corner conversation because um, I don't know what's going on. I guess it's a superiority complex about the academics and all that. All that. But at the end of the day, I think um, personally I'd like to see us go back to the, the Big 12 I kind of wish we'd never left the big 12. Um, I know that it's not going to be as flashy and that, you know, it, big 12 is just going to over time start falling behind the sec and the big 10, as far as money's concerned. But I think it provides stability. I think we would be able to revive some longstanding traditional games. Um, I think it's a better fit geographically. I understand that our alumni are not out there, but I think at this point it's starting to look like the PAC 12 might be in a lot of trouble. So that's just kind of my thoughts to open it up. I think that's kind of the synopsis of what people have been saying, but really quick. I just want to do a quick around the horn. Um, what is your guys's preference for conference? If you guys can just name the top three. So I'll, I'll go first. The SEC is not happening. I think the big 10, I think there's a possibility. We'll come back to that chase. Cause I know you don't really think so. And for context for the listeners too, chase went to law school at Penn state. So he was in big 10 country for the last few years. Um, 
So my order for in preference for CU is Big Ten number one. I think that should be pretty obvious for CU fans. Now, is that feasible? You can debate that. Uh, and I think we will a little later. But Big Ten for me. And then Big 12 next for me because I think the Pac-12 is dead. Uh, and then the Pac-12 last. Um, so that's my three. I just want to quickly go around the horn. Sirius, what's your top three for conferences? Yeah, it's it's hard not to put the Big Ten at the top. So in in every aspect, not even just in football, it's such a prestigious conference to be aligned with. Academically, your your peer schools, other than Nebraska, are all really, really elite academic schools. It's a very good peer group to be in. In fact, I'm sure Nebraska benefits from being part of that peer group. So it would hard to it would be hard to to put that lower than number one just from that perspective. So then comes the Big 12 and the Pac 12. Which one of those is preferable? So that's the big the, debate, right? It's the big debate. So historically, two of CU's biggest conference rivals from the Big Eight are gone. So Nebraska's gone, Missouri's gone. So you're now left with other historic rivals being Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa State. Does and Kansas does does that move the needle? Does How about that move you as a rival? So <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I could see that, but they'll always be, they will always be number two to BYU to Utah, right? That is historic and it's a holy ward, right? It's considered a holy ward. There's, there's a lot at stake with that rivalry. We'll never be higher than the number two for BYU. So I understand that maybe there's that alignment, but it's it just will not be the same. It simply will not be the same. So, I I struggle with that. It's it's a very difficult thing, and it feels like, well, maybe you know we were chatting about this before we hopped on this podcast. It seems like the interest in college football on the West Coast has just started picking back up again after a very very long lull, and we know that the best recruits in the West typically go to the South even still, right, until USC started coming back. And now USC is leaving. They're going to the Big Ten. So from there, it's just – it's really a toss-up for me. I don't have much nostalgia for the Big 12 anymore because Nebraska and Missouri aren't there anymore. It is a very good basketball conference, so there there's that going for it. So just from that respect, maybe I'd say the Big 12 and some semblance of stability and being in markets that don't have anything else going on other than college sports like Lubbock and, you know, Waco and these other places in the middle of nowhere. And then it's just the Pac-12, man. I, I get so the, the advantage of the Pac-12 is you still have Washington and Oregon, who despite maybe not being big enough uh, from an eyeball drawing perspective to be Big Ten schools right now, which does surprise me, especially Washington, not not seeing them involved with that discussion. And I almost wonder whether that has something to do with the state legislatures of uh, Washington and Oregon basically going to require Oregon State and Washington State to be packaged along alongside the flagship schools. Um, I wonder if that has something to do with it, too. But losing so in terms of pedigree, Oregon and Washington, I think, have more football pedigree than a lot of the remaining Big 12 schools. But nevertheless it just seems like a more natural fit to go to the big 12. So I'll say big 10, big 12, pac 12, just like you. Is yours are the same? I think you hinted that you prefer the big 12 over the pac 12. Yeah, I think so. 
mine would be the same. I, you know, Jake and I are going to talk about this. I think the Big Ten, the chances of that happening for Colorado are almost zero, if not exactly zero. I think what we have to remember, right, is so, you know, we have this new commissioner who comes into the Pac-12 and promises a bigger TV deal than the Big 12, which at the time seemed kind of likely. You know, the Big 12 is getting a payout of $37.7 million per school um, compared to the the $1 billion a year Big 10 payout, right? So the differences between the conferences, I think, are just going to grow over time. It's going to become kind of like the P5 versus the G5, but unfortunately this time, no matter if we go to the Big 12 or the Pac-12, we're going to be on the outside looking in. The rich are going to get rich. Um, I, I will say – I want to I want to counter that point. With the new expanded playoff format for football – I think it might naturally even itself out. So I think you might see some Big 12 teams, some Pac-12 teams sneak in as well, um, which could eventually help with TV deals. I don't know. But, but yeah, the fear I, there. The fear there is you have what happened to TCU. That was a no, – no matter what, the fa- I, everyone knows that they made it to the championship game and they beat Michigan and all that, but people never just forget the 65 to 7. 65 right. to 7. Right. Oh my goodness. Like but they made that, it. They made a crap ton of money by making it, you know. They did, but the perception of the Big 12 got hooked over that game. People don't remember it anymore that even beat Michigan. If if you've seen right. comment sections about right. you fans and whatnot, everyone just remembers 65 to 7, 65 to 7. They were they did not belong on that field. That was like watching 2012 or 2022 CU play. Well, anyone. Let's be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> I think those it like it's, it's not going to matter. Perception is not going to matter anymore. Um, I mean, it, it does, of course. Right. But with the with the expanded playoffs, the top four or five, I can't remember, ranked conferences or maybe six. I think it's actually six to allow for a, a, a G5 conference are guaranteed spots. So, you know, if a Pac-12 team or whatever the conference becomes big 12 team are ranked in the top 12, you're getting into that playoff and you're getting those revenue splits. I think that's going to be big for money, but unfortunately, you know, you're not making up, we're talking about the difference in, you know, maybe $40 million a year. So whereas right, right now we're kind of competing right. on a similar playing field, you know, $40 million a year is just an astronomic amount of money to try to make up through revenue, say, you know, revenue elsewhere outside of TV, right? Cause TV is, you know, it's still King. I think, you know, the pros and cons for each conference, I think the big 12 provides more stability. I think, you know, the nostalgia is there for Colorado I, I will say I think the Big 12 does actually have, you know, a lower academic profile than the, the remaining Pac-12 schools. But I think the Pac-12, if done right, you know, if we got a, a deal, it sounds like if the Pac-12 is going to survive, it's going to include Southern Methodist and San Diego State University. You know, getting that Dallas market, people forget, but Southern Methodist before they got the death penalty was a, a really legitimate program. Um, but, you know, it's not the same. You know, you're taking USC and UCLA and replacing them with schools that you know didn't even get the first round of p5 invites so i i think you know you might be able to pick up something cool in the way of streaming um i know there hasn't been a whole lot out there but it sounds like amazon is still interested in the pac-12 rights and so if you could get to streaming i think it could be be interesting in the long-term strategy but it kind of reminds me of the pac-12 network right where it's the right idea but the wrong time to do it where you know, I think all of us are are young enough where we would love to have a streaming only option. You know, if I could stream all of my Pac-12 football games in the NFL through streaming alone, I would never get cable, right? Um, I think that's true for most of us, but unfortunately, you're still getting a lot of eyeballs 
and it's big to be on ESPN. And it sounds like Fox has pretty blatantly said they're not interested in the Pac-12. So there's pros and cons. I think in the Pac-10 or Pac-12 or whatever it becomes, you know, with Dion, optimistically, we might be able to compete um, in that conference. I think we could probably compete in the Big 12 conference as well. So, you know, maybe it makes sense to stay if you can get a TV deal that's comparable to the Big 12s. Um, the problem is that Oregon and Washington are going to be constantly looking for a way out. And the first teams to go in that conference are going to be Oregon and Washington. So my concern is that we're going to sign this deal. And then five years from now or 10 years from now, whenever the deal expires, Oregon and Washington are finally going to get elevated into that Big Ten. And the four corner schools have even less leverage at that point to go to the Big 12, right? Yeah. Right now we at least have some leverage because if we're the first to move, then it's on Oregon and Washington to try to figure something out. But if we let Oregon and Washington move, the big 12 can kind of do whatever they want because that's our only option unless we want to merge with the the mountain West. Right. So you have to constantly be worrying about getting poached. I think the stronger move for Colorado right now is the big 12. So I would put it big 10, big 12, Pac 12. I agree completely. You cannot be reactionary in this sort of thing. We all know that Washington and Oregon, as soon as they get an invite to the big 10, they're gone. And once those schools are gone, Pac 12 is dead. Pac-12 is dead. They're as good as the Mountain West Conference, right? Who is it? It's Cal, CU, Zona Schools, the bad Oregon and Washington schools, Stanford. None of them are big names in football anymore. Stanford's not as much, unfortunately. So as soon as that happens, the Pac-12 is dead in my eyes. And one thing I want to call out, and I think this is being slightly overlooked in this discussion, is I think the Big 12 inherently has a slight advantage geographically. So the Big 12, it's because it's in the center of the country, they can poach some schools in the South. The Pac-12 can't do that. Pac-12 is confined to your San Diego states, your Boise states, your SMUs. I guess you can dip into Texas a bit. But the Big 12 can go anywhere they want, pretty much, right? Same, same way with the Big 10. So I think once the ACC breaks up, Big 12 might have a shot at grabbing some of those schools. Sure, SEC is going to get the first first dibs, but I think Big 12 is going to be next. It's not going to be the Pac-12. So that's another reason why I think CU needs to get the heck out of the Pac-12 and make a move for the Big 12. Um, really quick, Sreyas, you mentioned the Big 12 might be better at basketball. I agree. Chase, do you agree that the Big 12 is better than the Pac-12 in basketball? It's not even close. Yeah, I, I think I think that's just absolutely the truth. I think well, what about is- What about football? Um, with the I, other I, schools gone for the Pac-12. I, I think I it's probably it. a toss-up, right? Like, you know, you, Big 12 always has some really good schools. I think Big 12 has more consistent schools, but, you know, Oregon, Washington, um, Utah's been phenomenal lately, and I don't see that ending anytime soon. Um, you know, Cal and Stanford are terrible, but I, I think generally they're probably pretty equal on, on football backing. And turns out, you know, there's been a lot of um, reports out there. You know, people have said that the Big 12 deal that they got done was partially because of hoops. You know, like people always say hoops doesn't matter, but it's the tiebreaker, right? And so the Big 12 was kind of able to leverage their their uh, hoops prowess and get that deal done. So, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I've read some things that said that, you know, a Big 12 deal that if they can get the four corner schools to expand with them, you know, that might be where Amazon tries to come in and join that deal because Amazon wasn't interested in, apparently, you know, this is all rumor and speculation or, or reports, but they said that Amazon walked away from the Big 12 deal because they were going to get last pick on games. But, you know, if they can get the, those four Pacific time zone or, you know, mountain time zone slots with the four corner schools, 
they might, you know, Amazon said they might be willing to come in and, and make that deal happen. So it'd be cool to have, you know, a mixture of streaming and still have access to ESPN. That's the upside of the big 12 deal. Frankly, with the Pac-12 deal, we have no idea. It could be, you know, exclusively on Amazon Prime, which, you know, would be good for us as far as watching the games. But, you know, Pac-12 will essentially disappear from the public eye if we if we are on network television, unfortunately. It's just how it is. Yeah. When you when you're well, everyone's already nailed the Washington and Oregon piece. Them looking to leave. After that, your two biggest brand name schools, in theory, right? If you if you consider the 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 perception at least historically is Cal and Stanford, and that's they're not revenue sport schools anymore. That especially actually no, both of them. Cal and Stanford are both abysmal at both basketball and football, and they frankly have probably no opportunity to to recover anytime soon in either of those sports. Things are are circling the drains really fast over there. To to circle back on the Big 12 versus Pac-12 basketball thing and and what a chasm there is, think about this for perspective. Oklahoma is currently in last place, dead last in the Big 12 in basketball. And that's and they Houston in the they, they blew out number at the time number 1 Alabama or I think they were, Alabama was uh, number one as recently as last week. They beat them 93 to 69. That is right. the team that is dead last in the Big 12. Can't imagine a Pac-12 school doing that, that's for sure. It's, it's, it is not even remotely up for debate. The Big 12 is an amazing basketball conference. Losing Texas and Oklahoma does not injure that brand right now. They are they are king. That, that I mean, might I think, be. I think they're the best in the country. Would you pound for pound, pound, pound for pound, right? When you consider there's only ten schools in that conference, and six of them are ranked, and then the team that's in dead last blew out the nut. Well, until last week, the number one team in the country. That is a phenomenal conference. So CU being aligned with that, that would probably be a good thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. Although we might struggle, frankly, and. You might you might see some more calls for for change, and maybe that's something we talk about again later. I know we talked about it in the last podcast, but you, you can't be a slacker, or you can't be a slouch in basketball in that conference. So I do like the idea of being a part of that. Now, all this said, I know it's, we've hinted at the the coach prime effect here, but this next season, maybe the next two seasons, are going to be super super fascinating for how CU stands in the in the global landscape. Well, in the it's not. You know what I mean when I say global, right? In the overall picture of the college athletics landscape. Um, because we've already seen how much media attention there is for a program that has literally done nothing. We've done nothing in recent memory. Well, 2016, right? But I mean, the last few years, we haven't done anything. And how much media attention there's been so there's some – I saw uh, Brian Howell talk about today how the spring game, even two months out, has already sold more tickets than we've had free attendees in the last seven seasons combined. And we historically, we don't make fans pay for tickets to go to the spring game. You just show up. And if you're one of the few, the brave, to actually show up to that, then you basically get to run the show and do whatever you want. You get to go on the field and shake hands with – Coach McIntyre, 
and you know rub elbows with Shea Fields and Sefa Lufau. <laughs> they let you call some plays if you're feeling really into yeah. it. Yeah, they let you they let you call some plays too. You know, you're basically it's basically a a family friendly interactive experience. So from that perception, from the media eyeballs, it's going to be really fascinating to see where we stack up. You know, after another year of top recruits, gosh, if we can somehow keep Dion coach prime around for longer than two seasons and it, it, CU is in that sense forcibly become a national brand so who knows who knows at that point we're our own unicorn we stand on our own we have our own thing going on that's uh, grown well beyond the the school itself and all this discussion maybe it doesn't matter at that point what conference you're in so there are always these wild cards. Well, maybe it's more so in basketball. You see like Gonzaga who's in the West coast conference. They're always in contention for the final four and they, their conference schedules into recently didn't feature anyone that was worth, you know, worth a lick. And now some of those other teams around them have started to grow perception because they need to compete with Gonzaga. Who's always a national power. And maybe Maybe just maybe that would be amazing if CU could stand alone and carry the torch for the West Coast, whether that's in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. But whether that actually happens or not remains to be seen. And that's part of the intrigue and excitement that's going to come from the Coach Prime era. I mean, the the Coach Prime aspect is very interesting, right? I wonder if that's part of the reason why we haven't seen CU do anything. Is Rick George waiting to see... The results of Coach Prime, can he wait? I don't know, because I think there'll probably be a TV deal inked before we can see the results of Coach Prime. But like, if I'm the Big Ten, for example, if Colorado calls me, I'm laughing, right? I know you just hired Deion Sanders, but looking at your historical, both basketball and football performance, that's not up to the standard of the Big Ten. Why would I take you guys? Sure, you're a, a AAU school, right? Is that the research... AAU, yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure, you're a research school and, you know, CU's has good academic standards, but looking at the football and basketball program, it's like, why would we let you into the, to the Big Ten? But needless to say, I think the Big Ten's a possibility. And I hate that when CU fans don't think big because that, it drives me nuts, right? No one thought we'd get Coach Prime. You know, Ryan Koningsberg said there was a 0% chance that we get got Coach Prime before we hired him. And so many CU fans fall in the trap of we'll never be good. Basketball will never make the Final Four. We'll never make the Elite Eight. Don't ever say never, right? We hired Coach Prime, and I truly believe CU has a shot to make the college football playoff in the next three years. Never say never. So the Big Ten, same thing. I think if for some reason Coach Prime stays with the Buffs, if they make have a great season in 2025 and Rick Georgian can come to Coach Prime and be like, hey, you want to be in the SEC or Big Ten? Let's do it at Colorado. And he invites Coach Prime to those meetings and Coach Prime is up front and says, I'm going to stay at CU, but I want to come to the Big Ten. If you don't make this move, I'm going to the SEC. Right? Like that's the perfect ultimatum. Coach Prime is going to be the number one watched team wherever he's at in college football. And that's the ultimate negotiating tool. I think the Big Ten can't say no in a couple of years. I'm hoping he's still at CU, but I'm really buying what what he's saying. 
And it drives me nuts when when CU fans don't have this have this mentality of there's a glass ceiling. Like I watched a video, the, the pregame show video about Coach Hart. And Coach Hart said at J JSU, uh, Coach Prime made the coaching staff before games tell the team why they're going to win. Not why they think they're going to win, but why they're going to win. And it's that winning mentality that C that Dion's bringing to CU that CU fans need to adopt. Yeah. So I, I think my response to that is that it's not a matter of like, do you believe in Colorado or do you believe in the brand The at the end of the day, what Colorado has to do, what Oregon has to do, what Washington has to do to get into the big 10 is the, you know, the average school in the big 10 in, in this new TV deal is going to be walking away with just over $71 million a year. And if Colorado cannot get a media partner to pay 71 million more dollars per year to be a member of the conference, the Big Ten, period, amen, is not going to let you into the conference. It doesn't matter, you know, and I, I think the way you get there, and and so I think, you know, I, I said there's a 0% chance we get in the Big Ten. I think optimistically the only way we get in the Big Ten is there has to be a sense of exigency in the, in, in the you know, Colorado boardroom right now, and they have to go, if Coach Prime can get us, you know, where people really believe he can, and, and who knows, you know, maybe – he gets here and and it, it we you know we're not winning games and it, you know it's a big step up right so we're we're kind of counting our eggs before they've hatched but let's say that he does start winning right in my opinion you know coach prime's extension should have already happened you know he's already totally reinvigorated your recruiting and what i would do is give him you know a borderline you know you're like i said counting your eggs before you hatch but you got a borderline give him a lifetime contract and say you know your buyout has to be so ridiculous to leave us but we're willing to commit to you basically forever, right? Because what's going to happen is if we start to have success, the t the schools that are making $30 million more a year with their new TV contract are going to come to coach prime and say, you know, we want that. Right. So I think Colorado needs to, to strike while the iron's hot. And I think the way that happens, and I think, you know, I'll just say, this is in my opinion, the best case scenario is regardless of if we go to the big 12 or the, or the PAC 12 Colorado signs, a short-term TV deal, I think the big 12 deals for seven years, don't quote me on that. And, you know, the PAC 12 deal, people have talked between five and seven years because no one wants to do what the ACC did where they gave away their rights for like basically the rest of the century. Right. So Colorado joins, you know, stays in one of those conferences on a short-term deal and absolutely becomes a powerhouse under coach prime. We extend him and we take that momentum. You know, we have the eyeballs. People have to watch Colorado football. People have to watch Colorado athletics and that's how you justify the $71 million. But, you know, frankly, Oregon's been doing that for the last 10 years, right? They have the eyeballs, they have the cool uniforms, they have the backing, they've hired the coaches, they've had the on-field success, and it still wasn't enough. So it's not whether I believe in Colorado, it's not whether I believe that we can do it, it's not because I think we can win, it's just at the end of the day, $71.5 million is what Colorado has to justify the Big Ten because Iowa, you know, the Iowa president already came out and said, we're not looking to expand if it's going to dilute our revenue. You know, we want more for us. We're not a charity here and we're not going to take on schools. You know, they don't have to worry about boxing the SEC out of Colorado, right? The SEC doesn't care if they're in that time slot. The SEC is the SEC. So the Big Ten effectively killed, you know, the Pac-12, their biggest competitor, by taking the, the LA schools. And now they can kind of have whoever they want. They don't have to be in any rush to do it. And frankly, I think as of right now, if the Big Ten were to expand, it would be Stanford, Notre Dame, if they can get Notre Dame, uh, Oregon, and Washington, and they'd complete out that that division. But Colorado's not that team. Now, if Colorado somehow finds a way to make Dion stay, I know Dion says he wants to stay. He loves Colorado, all that kind of stuff. He said that at Jackson State too, right? It, you know, when a team comes in and is able to offer 
more in resources, more in the opportunity to win, more money. You know, I think we're going to have a really hard time convincing him to stay. I think we should get him that contract extension now. And I think the buyout should hurt um, if we do that. You know, $15 million for the first year, and then it falls off down to $5 million, I think, year three, right? So I would be doing With whatever that, I can though, to make can that. Can you make the unsigned something that'll hurt, right? Like, I don't, and, I don't know if you'll get a and signature. I don't know. Right. Because we don't have any leverage. But if he's loving Colorado and, and we can up his pay and, you know, up his resources. And the other question is, I don't even know if Colorado can do that because we're not sure we can even pay what we're currently paying him. Right. But, you know, the idea that Colorado could lose its biggest marketing chip right now, which is Deion Sanders. And I guarantee you applications to the university are already up. Right. Because of, of Prime. I guarantee you, you know, Colorado brand value has increased substantially with Prime. But if he leaves, that all goes away. And I think, you know, our only opportunity to try to jump that gap before the $40 million a year starts making such a big difference that you're never going to be able to move up into the Big Ten is now. So we have to do that in the next five years. And the only way that we do that is if we keep Coach Prime around and we start winning and somehow get to the college football playoff. Jake, I think you're crazy for thinking we get there in the next three years. God, I hope you're right. I said it's possible. Given that every time I say something's not going to happen. It happens. I'm going to say it's not going to happen. Um, but God, I hope you're right, but I Good just I don't see it. So uh, I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. And one of the things that really stands out to me about how much the eyeballs matter is UCLA. I don't know if you guys have been to the Rose bowl yet for a UCLA game. It is embarrassing. It is absolutely atrocious. It feels like you're at a high school game or even worse. You see about 12,000 fans. I don't care what their announced attendance is. It feels like there's like 12,000 fans tops. And that stadium seats like 100,000 people. It is a dead, sterile atmosphere. And I'm convinced they don't even have fans. I'm convinced that UCLA is just a <laughs> vessel for the the massive metropolis that is L.A., and has a huge brand just because it's UCLA and it's a historic school. It's a really good school and a gigantic city. And even last year when they were doing a little bit better, it's not like their attendance improved that much. The early season games, they played non-conference. People use the excuse about the weather, this, it was too hot, this, too hot, that. Get out of here. Get out of here. You can't, you can't seriously be pulling in. 20 like Marlins, like Florida Marlins or Miami Marlins sized crowds for college football in a hundred thousand seat stadium and convince me that you have a huge fan base, but they're in in the LA market, but just, you know, like you said in LA, but the fact that they're in LA shows you the value of the TV market. Same with USC, USC during their down years, there was a, there was a massive number of empty seats at the Coliseum and that's a historic college football brand too. That's a historic college, one of the most historic college football brands. And they couldn't, they couldn't fill up half of that Memorial Coliseum, but it's LA. It's LA. It's, it's just a totally different deal when you're talking about how much media is concentrated in LA, how many eyeballs there are passively. If you do well, if you do well, people will watch. So So I was going to say, do you think people are tuning in for UCLA games uh, on TV? Because people will talk about the Denver market for tv eyeballs all the time right and i just think like cu doesn't have the denver market right now they did at a time i guess to your point right if if they catch fire they're going to get those fans right but yeah i'm assuming assuming that a lot of the criteria for selection is potential 
and not necessarily actual tangible proof of that actually happening. That is, that's my guess. So when you look at the, the pool that a pool of potential viewers that comes from LA, it's kind of like a siren call. Maybe you haven't executed it yet, but let's just say UCLA does have one of those magical seasons. Let's say UCLA and USC both have one of those magical runs and they play each other in the final game and they're number one and number two. That potential revenue earnings is so high. It's like shooting for the moon. It's just like you were saying, Jake, like you're shooting for the moon. If you're in the Big Ten, you're shooting for the moon there. You're looking for the highest possible potential. So... Yeah, I, I agree with what, what y'all saying. In order to lay down the foundation to be a part of that dance, we need to act soon and act quickly and hope that the chips fall uh, where they where they really need to as far as the primary is concerned, as far as extending him now. So my perception is the, the big extensions that we've seen lately with huge buyouts. I, I remember seeing a graphic this week about some of these buyouts like Jimbo Fisher. Oh my goodness. His bio is like North of 80 million dollars, like 80 million. Can you believe that? That's why they couldn't fire him. His buyout was absolutely outrageous, but here's the thing. See, he's playing with house money. We're playing with house money. Our fan base is so starved for any semblance of not even a, a winner, but a, passable team that will show up and be competitive. We are starved. Texas A&M, sure. I, I, I recall seeing something about how Texas A&M hasn't won a national championship in any major sport since like 1941. That includes baseball and other sports like that. They, they haven't won a national championship in however long that is. Is that 81 years? So, and I understand that, but they, they're in a football rich area that, loves and is super super passionate about football and will support it no matter what uh college station is relatively isolated from the other big texas metropolises that is the show like that runs the show in that region and they have very high expectations and they want to execute on those very high expectations so as it pertains to that my understanding is in colorado and boulder it's never been that way it's never felt that way and we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna regret spending that much investing that much in prime because if he if he doesn't do that well we're no worse than we were before you know we just shot for the moon and ended up with you know something that didn't quite get there now with Texas A&M and some of these other schools like now they have to suffer and live and rue the day that they made that decision. Nebraska too. Nebraska is a good example. They had to pay massive buyout for Scott Frost. And, you know, sure they got Matt rule now, which is one of their top picks and who knows how he's going to, how he's going to do there. Hopefully not well for, from our perspective, but. Unless you're Jake's wife, of course, unless you're Jake's wife. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But so this is the irony of the the shoot for the moon mentality, right? I know Jake, you had mentioned how you're frustrated with CU fans not shooting higher, but in reality, with the way that our culture is in our state and in Boulder, if if it doesn't work out, you're not going to see people walking in the street depressed every day because it just ruined the one good thing about their life. So I I see that personally as an opportunity to shoot for the moon. And in the event that we strike gold, 
with prime and we lock him up early and often, and he's able to uh, stick around very long-term at CU and do some amazing things. It's just a beautiful thing. I would love that. Yeah. And I just want to quickly address one of the things you said, Um, you know, as far as TV ratings go, um, you know, USC and UCLA, even if they don't have fans that actually show up to their games in the stadium um, are still doing better on TV ratings than anyone else in the Pac-12. You know, USC in particular, USC just draws eyeballs, right? Like people want to be around the brand, uh, you know, and part of that's because they were so dominant for so long. Um, it's a big school and, and UCLA is kind of the same way. So, you know, you, you take a look at the highest rated games of all of last season, right? And I'm just, I just pulled it up, but um, you know, Pac-12 doesn't even exist on this list, right? The top game was Michigan, Ohio State, which averaged 17.1 million viewers, uh, which is insane, right? Like that's just an insane game. Um, and, you know, it's 4 million more viewers than the next highest game, Tennessee, Georgia, right? So like those are the kinds of numbers you need to be drawing. USC and UCLA draw numbers closer to that, um, higher than the average of the Big Ten, right? Because you have to remember you you need to beat the average of the Big Ten. And the Big Ten in, in, is including schools like Northwestern and um, you know, Purdue that are not drawing the same number of eyeballs, but they're already in the conference, right? So USC and UCLA, no doubt, bring in more than the average in the Big Ten. They're not bringing in as much as Ohio State. They're not bringing in as much as Michigan, but they're a net value add as far as TV ratings go. And at the end of the day, ESPN only cares how many eyeballs are watching the commercials they run, right? So if Colorado could bring in 17 million eyeballs next year, you know, we'd, we'd be moving up in a different conference. We'd be really valuable, but at the end of the day, you know, apparently Oregon and use or uh, Oregon and Washington weren't able to do that. Um, I agree with you guys when you say that Washington and Oregon are probably pretty close. I, I think so. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not bringing in more value, you know, that's the difference. Yeah, with that, I pulled up a ranking list for which Pac-12 schools generated the biggest TV ratings in 2022. So it's year old. But I'm going to read this off really quick. And then I have a question to ask you guys. Um, so number one, you guys want to take a guess who's number one in the Pac-12? My guess would be either Utah USC. or USC, yeah. Oregon. Oregon's okay. number one. And then you got USC number two, UCLA number three. So that proves your point. They're right there, Sreyas. Number four, Utah, which is a lot higher than I would have guessed, honestly, but it, it really makes sense with their success. And Utah doesn't have any pro sports teams other than the Jazz. Um, next up, Washington Huskies, and then Washington State Cougars, Cal Golden Bears, Stanford, Oregon State, 10th is Arizona, 11th is CU, and last is ASU. Wow. And again, this was in 2022. Just wanted to call that out. And I wanted to open up this question to you guys. With conference realignment and potentially having alliance with the four-corner schools, so Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and CU, which school, if any, do you think has the most leverage in that alliance discussion? Does it make sense for CU to have an alliance with those schools? What are you guys' thoughts it's regarding geogra- those four schools? Yeah, it makes a great deal of geographic sense to have that alliance. That's that's for sure. As far as as far as leverage, I I can't even imagine saying what I'm about to say last year or even a couple months ago, but I actually think CU has the best leverage right now. And it comes from Prime. Yeah. And even uh, if Ryan, Prime Ryan Koningsberg so, said the exact same thing on, on their podcast. I, I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth because I feel like from a leverage perspective, Utah 
has a ton would have had a ton of leverage like they've had a ton of success recently they're in a market that cares like you like you hinted at um they're in a market that doesn't have pro sports other than the jazz and they do have a natural rival who i guess they don't play every year anymore either in in BYU but that's still that's still an opportunity cuz BYU is a power 5 school now they're moving to the big 12 but but CU they they kind of stand on their own they kind of stand on their own now. They they obviously have the history, but I don't think that even plays into the to why I think they have leverage. It's all prime. The amount of media attention that CU's had just from hiring prime, in my opinion, and maybe I'm biased because I'm such a CU-centric person, it seems like it's eclipsed everyone. There's been a ton of attention. I, I didn't see this many articles coming out about Caleb Williams at USC winning the Heisman. It's nonstop. I, I remember, I think CU, some interview with, with Coach Prime was on the front page of ESPN during the Super Bowl. And it was, it was in the same week as uh, Tiger Woods coming back to play at the Genesis and things like, like, what are you, are you kidding me right now? That's insane. It's mind boggling. So from that perspective, it again, maybe this is just my bias, but it, it seems like CU has a lot of potential leverage. Arizona schools, especially in football. Oof. I don't know. They're both really badly struggling right now. Um, Arizona is a basketball school. Always has been a basketball school. They're really good. And maybe just from that perspective, the big 12 would accept them with open arms, but that's not overall leverage. It feels like football is where you have your leverage and CU's got something going on here from a eyeballs perspective i agree completely i I wanted to run through each school asu what do they bring to the table of this you know four corners um alignment there they they don't bring anything in my eyes their academics suck their football sucks their basketball isn't great i got some cringes with their academics sucking (laughs) i don't know i don't know asu is also a big school they have a lot of good engineering Um, yeah i just want to niche programs they I think we're making a mistake that a lot of people make when they think about college realignment, but it doesn't matter if you're good at football now. It doesn't really matter how your academics are unless you're trying to get into the Big Ten or the Pac-12. At the end of the day, what matters, the only thing that matters as far as leverage is concerned is how many people care about your school and are going to tune in to watch a football game or a basketball game on ESPN, right? So at the end of the day, I actually think, and and I'm just going to be a contrarian here, I think Colorado still does not have the most leverage. I'm not even sure we're not last as far as leverage is concerned, other than the fact that we have the historic ties of the Big 12. But Arizona State has way way more alumni than we do. Arizona State State beats us on – It doesn't matter. Arizona State beats us on TV ratings. They have the Phoenix market. Arizona has a ton of alumni. They literally didn't beat us in 2022 on that stat that I just read. You uh, at the end of like one year is not going to be the difference in accepting someone into a conference or or allowing. I think what you have to remember is that Arizona State is a big brand. Colorado is a big brand, of course. Utah is a newer brand at the Power Five level, but they're really good, and so they draw a lot of eyeballs on ESPN. Right? Utah is going down to Florida and playing football games that are getting the most eyeballs on them week one. Right? And so those kinds of things are a big deal. I don't think having Coach Prime is enough. You know, no conference is going to go oh, great, you have Coach Prime for the next two years. We're, we're going to have, you know, I, I'm just saying that you. I think that the problem that a lot of people have is they think, is this team good at football right now? And that it doesn't really matter if they're good at football right now. It matters how many alumni do they have? 
how many people that have a cable subscription are going to go turn on the TV to watch them. And if, if the schools in the long term are more valuable now, I think we have way more leverage than Arizona, but I don't think we're like the bell, you know, the bell ringer of this group. Necessarily. Did you put us third? Utah. Not necessarily. I think we're, I think we're pretty equal with Utah and Arizona state, but I don't think Colorado has infinitely more leverage because of coach prime. I think, no way. I think the difference is that I don't know if the Big 12 would have taken us back in the, that group of four. We were definitely the odd man out, which I think Sreyas mentioned when the Big 12, when things were going south before Prime got hired. I think the difference is with Prime hired, it shows that Colorado's serious about football again. And I think that makes us more attractive as a conference ad. But you're, it's not based off of, you know, who did really well last year. It's how big of a brand are we getting? It's It's a long-term thing. And I think it's easy to get you know, it's easy to get hot and bothered about how well the team played last year. But at the end of the day, Oregon is still playing with a small alumni base in the state of Oregon, which doesn't have a lot of TVs to subscribe to, to, you know, ESPN compared to Los Angeles. Right. And that's what matters is can you get people to turn on the TV? That's what conferences are driven by now these days is TV subscriptions, period. I, I want to touch on. I think C's at the top, but Sirius, I, I saw you cringing during some of these takes. So the biggest thing that I was cringing at is this. I have nothing against ASU. I don't. I don't hate ASU. I have nothing against them. But the thing that made me cringe is that there's some perception that ASU is a football, like they have some history of football. That that's in that's mind boggling to me. I I don't think ASU has accomplished anything. I don't even know if they've won a New Year's Six Bowl. Maybe they have like 20 years, 30 years ago, but that program has not demonstrated anything in football. ASU, I'm not saying they are. I'm saying they have 544,000 living alumni that will buy cable subscriptions to watch their team play. It doesn't matter they? if they've ever won. It's a commuter school, though. Like ASU is a commuter school. And I, I know plenty of people that have gone to have degrees from ASU that were not actually on campus or anything of that nature and engaged in the engaged in the football team. It's not. I don't know. So ASU to me is a baseball and a golf school. That's where they've put out consistently the absolute Barry Bonds went to ASU, right? I mean, they have elite baseball players. They've always had elite baseball players, golf. I mean, everyone knows about Phil Mickelson, right? He's one of the greatest of all time. He went to ASU and people know that he went to ASU. John Rahm, right? Who's been consistently one of the best golfers in the world. He went to ASU. That's what I think of when I think of ASU, not football. So maybe maybe just from the fact that they do have a large alumni base, there's a lot of brand awareness of their existence. I don't disagree with you there, but I, I definitely I, I I don't have the data to to back this up. But it doesn't the perception of them being a football power or a, a long forlorn football school that is on its way back is mind boggling to me. So with respect to what you're saying about one year doesn't make a difference. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But do you also remember in 2021 when CU played Texas A&M, that was one of the highest rated games of the non-conference season. And historically, when CU plays Nebraska, that's always one of the highest rated games in the non-conference season. This year, right. preach, preach. This year when we play TCU in Nebraska, those are going to be highly, highly watched games nationally. No question about it. It doesn't even matter. So if TCU absolutely blows us out, people will still watch that game. In fact, a lot of them will hate watch that game because they want to see Coach Prime fail. That is so that is the future of the the imminent future, I should say, of what we're dealing with here. And it's it's just it, we can't just like you were saying, we can't look at the recency of one season. We 
the past results are not an indicator of the future at this point. What we're dealing with that's happening at CU is something that CU has never seen ever. It's and th- this is building something much bigger than we've ever had. So serious, well, we again, won a we'll national fight. championship in 1990. But even still, the next year we <laughs> didn't sell 30,000 tickets to the spring game, right? Even still, we didn't even sell out our entire s- schedule to watch to actually people show up to the stadium to watch games. We we have never sold out an entire season of tickets ever, including the national, including, think about this. We made it to the national championship two straight years, right? 1989, 1990. We still didn't sell out season tickets, either of those seasons. And we played tough non-conference schedules, both of those seasons. We were playing other. why ASU is better, (laughs) Threz. All right. Just for some perspective on that, ASU has a better all-time winning record than Colorado does. They have almost the same number of weeks in the AP poll, 291 versus 305. They have a similar number of draft picks, 254 versus 276. They have a better bowl record than we do. So I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not here to cheer on Arizona State, right? I'm a Colorado guy. I just want to point out that in the long grand scheme of things, when a conference is looking at, do we want to add you or do we not, right? Because it's unprecedented for a conference to remove a member. You're thinking, is this school committed to football? Is this school a school that is supported by its alumni? Is it a school that's supported by its community? Is it a school that people are going to want to watch nationally? And I think it's very easy to think Colorado is going to be exciting. Colorado is going to be good. But I also think conferences are going to look and go, well, we know that Coach Prime could leave tomorrow. And Colorado has done nothing to prove to us that they're committed to football beyond hiring Coach Prime, right? So I think the only reason I'm saying that is people are thinking that we get to lead the pack and demand what we want from the front. And I think those expectations need to be tempered. And I think that we are definitely in that group of four now that will move together in the four corners one way or another. But, you know, I don't I don't think we have all the leverage here. I don't think we have necessarily the high ground that we, we want to have. And I think, like, you just have to remember, we're obviously biased towards Colorado. And at the end of the day, we all want what's best for Colorado to happen, but I just don't know that we have this ungodly, you know, leverage over any conference negotiations. And, and one thing that I'll give you credit for here that I've I've stated is it's unproven. So everything that I'm saying is unproven is, you know, until we actually go out there and execute on those, on the promise of having all those eyeballs, it's still not, still hasn't happened. So it all remains to be seen over the next couple of years. I, I just want to give my thoughts in here, throw them in here. If, if I'm Rick George, I'm teaming up with Utah. I think both Colorado and Utah have the most leverage in this. Sreyas, I, I agree with you on this debate. And I'm not including ASU and Arizona in those discussions. And I'm talking to the Big 12 and Big 10. But with that, one other question I want to ask you guys. What schools do you want to see come to the Pac-12? Say hypothetically, CU stays in the Pac-12. Who do you want to see join the conference? Yeah, um, I think for me, it's probably, I think, you know, unfortunately, it would have been great to have Houston. It would have been great to have BYU. Speaking of, you know, schools that have eyeballs watching all around the world, right? BYU has that kind of draw um, on the national scale. You know, at this point with what's left out there, it would be great if we could go raid the Big 12. Um, That's been kind of floated around. I don't think that's realistic at this point, but oh my God, would that be awesome if it happened? Um, I think, you know, our, our the Pac-12 commissioner made a big deal about going to SMU. He did that publicly. 
it, you know, it was kind of criticized as a sign of weakness. I think SMU makes a lot of sense for an ad. I think SMU is a school that's very serious and committed to athletics and ready to kind of prove it again after, after kind of rebuilding themselves from the ashes. Everyone wants San Diego State. I think that's a defensive move to keep the Big 12 out of the Pacific time zone. Um, it's probably not a bad ad. I personally would prefer to have Tulane and SMU over San Diego State or add San Diego State, SMU, Tulane. Um, and God, I don't know who the fourth member is because it can't be Boise State. It can't be Gonzaga. So um, I don't know. That's kind of my preference. I think they're not going to be great ads. I don't think they're going to save the conference by any means, but I think it'd be kind of interesting. And, you know, Utah, when they were at it, was not a for sure thing. You have to remember that, right? Utah was kind of in the same situation where um, SMU is and Tulane are right now, where, you know, they've, they've proven it and, you know, they have the support, you know, Tulane, I don't know if has really proven it completely yet in the way that Utah did, but sometimes you have to build them into a conference leader like Utah's done. Um, so that's kind of my take. I yeah. think the big, big thing is the Pac-12 needs to decide, do you want to be a basketball conference or a football conference, right? Because San Diego State, very solid basketball school. Gonzaga, incredible basketball school. Boise State, football school. So I guess, yeah, the Pac-12 just needs to decide what's the priority. Spanish, what are your thoughts with those schools? I think – well, San Diego State, I think, has also demonstrated some level of success in football in recent years. And so has Fresno State. I know there's going to be a lot of cringes at that. There's definitely kind of a perception around Fresno State, and especially uh, among CU fans, given our history with Fresno State and the things that they've done to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're a long enough CU fan, you'll remember two particularly nasty uh Fresno State events over the last year or 20 years or so, 22 years. But nevertheless, they have demonstrated some level of success. They do have at least the community within Fresno and the San Joaquin Valley by storm, right? That's definitely a significant portion of population. I, I can't speak on how they do as far as eyeballs in the Bay Area or in Reno or anything like that. Man, uh, it, it's they've got to be on the table, though. Um, the, the, man, this would be great in the event. It's too bad. UNLV is so bad. It's really too bad that they're, that's they're what such I was going to say. They're right. so awful. They're so awful at football. They used to be really good at basketball. They were, they were Tarkanian years. And even after that, you know, when CU won the, the PAC 12 in 2012, they played UNLV who's heavily favored in the first round. And they kind of fell off significantly in basketball since then too. But that was, that was a nationally known basketball brand for, for decades. And now the city of Las Vegas is exploding, right? It is, it is constantly growing in population. They've now have an NFL team there. It's, it's now become its own sort of media center. That would have been such a great ad, but you just can't do it. They're, they're too, awful right UNLV they, they occupy a very special bad place right now in the in the college football world because of how consistently bad they were I, I remember there's a few years ago they lost to Howard I believe they lost to Howard with Cam Newton's brother leading leading Howard that's that's ugly that's an ugly FCS loss so yeah you just can't, you just can't go to them but I like Fresno I like San Diego State uh, I, I I like SMU. 
I like Tulane. These these are all definitely nice little picks. Another one, you know, I'll just throw this out there. It's it's just too bad that they're so awful and there's not really any hope for them in the near future, but that's Colorado State, right? Oh my and, god, I knew someone was going to say that. Oh it, my god, Srinivas. So so remember remember in the early 2000s, Colorado State had some pretty good seasons. They had some pretty good teams in the late 90s, early 2000s. They have a huge alumni base as well, but they're so far down. They, they kind of occupy a similar space as UNLV right now. They're so far down, and despite having all those new facilities and blah, 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 it would be impossible to consider them at this point. Impossible. So, I, I just want to make the point that the Pac-12 is literally maybe on its deathbed, and we still are not seriously considering Colorado State. So <laughs> if that puts into perspective how poverty that school is, they add no market, their fans are horrible, they don't support their own brand new stadium. Uh, it's you know it's sad to be Colorado in the in the Pac-12 right now, but at least we're not Colorado State. Yeah, that that's definitely true, and it's. It's rough times for them, you know. Canceling the canceling the showdown also really hurt them more than it hurt us, because we're able to make up for that with other Power Five games. And I think they've tried to, but they, gosh, when we play Texas A and M at Mile High, you know, you get millions of people watching that game, and it was a close game, right? We only lost by three, and it was, it was awful. Or it was horrible football. Don't get me wrong, absolutely horrible football. But we were still in that game the whole way. I think we were winning seven to three until late in the fourth quarter. Um, still get the eyeballs there, despite how bad the team was and, and whatnot. But yeah, that's just it's rough times for for CSU. I think we should for them uh, not to be included in this conversation. We should send the tape of that Texas A&M game to the Big Ten and show the Big Ten that we're capable of playing uh, Big Ten style football, where it's just a 10-7 absolute slog horror fest of uh, no offensive football. Ugh, Iowa would be proud of that game. That's for sure. That looked like an Iowa, any Iowa game last year. I think didn't Iowa play like South Dakota State or something in their first game and win ten to seven. <laughs> so it is definitely some Big Ten football, but uh, yeah. Man, I just want to wrap this up by saying all of those schools that you guys threw out just sound awful to me, and it's just more of a reason that we need to get the heck out of the Pac-12. I pulled up the the football team map, like the one you see on Twitter. And it's all the schools you guys named that could be potential fits. And it just, it's kind of depressing to me, honestly. So I really hope CU makes the jump. With that, yeah. after ending on a negative note, face, do you want to intro us in the draft segment? Yeah. So uh, we've decided that this time we're going to draft our all-time favorite players at the university. Um, somehow I've once again been wronged by the drafting order. So it's going to go ahead and be... Uh, Jake, myself, and then Sreyas. So, Jake, there's a pretty – I think Sreyas and I agree that there's a pretty obvious consensus number one pick here, but I'm excited to see who you're going to take. Number one overall, favorite CU athlete of any kind. I'm very nervous here because Chase was very passionate that I should nail this. And I'm I'm between two two guys, and I didn't even think who I was going to pick first. I think I'm going to go with my heart on this. And – my number one overall pick for favorite CU athlete goes to Evan Batty. Whoa. I mean, oh I love God. Evan Batty, but whoa. Okay. Wow. Well, I mean, okay. Interesting criteria. I see what your criteria is. Okay. Right, I'll right. give that to you. All right. right. Well, I'm curious what you guys is... think. Is it, is it my other pick? Probably. Let's see. Sreyas and I are clearly drafting from a completely different board than Jake. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I wasn't even alive to see this person play, uh, but I own their jersey. Uh, my dad went to school when he won the Heisman. And, uh, you know, when you win a Heisman at the University of Colorado, he's the obvious number one pick. Uh, it's nice to see Jake just throw his draft straight into the ocean, number one pick overall. Um, go ahead and give me Rashawn Salam at the number two pick, apparently. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, if you win a Heisman, he, you got to be up there, man. He was not number two on my list, guys. <laughs> wow. I, I I hope this is a snake draft, which I know it's not, because I might be able to get my second guy. But, Trace, do you want to give us that third pick? Yeah. So I am I am surprised with your background, Chase, that you that you didn't pick Byron Wizard White. Oh, That's such a great pick. That's I a, love that's that. That's a phenomenal pick. pick. Yeah. Byron, so with your background in law, I can't believe it. Supreme Court justice, and I think he came in second place in the Heisman. So he didn't quite win, but he came in second place in the Heisman. I get it was a different era in football, and if you compare eras, blah blah blah. But come on, right? He's so I know we're just doing athletes. I know we're just doing athletes, but he is an all-time buff. I think I believe he played played some other sports too. I can't remember if he was also drafted in baseball as well or oh, basketball. And by the way, served in World War II. Um, so, you know, I would say maybe the greatest Colorado of all time. So, Reyes, I got to give you credit. I, I missed on that pick. Um, I, I took the Heisman for the glamour, but that's a phenomenal pick by you at the three spot. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, if you took if you took Wizard, I would have taken Rashawn, though. That it's, it, was a, it was a toss-up there. So I'm glad that – I'm glad I got uh, Supreme Court justice at, at number three. It's a great pick. I misspoke. I said a snake would benefit me, but it definitely does not. I'm next to pick, right, Chase? <laughs> All right. This was actually the other guy I was deciding between because he is one of my favorite all-time NBA players. With my pick, I'm going with Chauncey Billups. Oh, I knew I knew it wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna fall to me. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Um start off with uh, the basketball players on the roster. I like that. Yeah, it's nice to see Jake make a good pick. Um, you know, the, the biggest hater of CU basketball I know, taking two basketball players right off the bat. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and take a basketball player as well. Um, I just think that it's too good of value here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take the mayor. Uh, give me Spencer Dinwiddie, an all-time great buff. Um, really kind of created, in my opinion, took the basketball program to where it is today um, under Tad. Um, he's had a phenomenal NBA career. Um, I feel like he's been in the NBA my entire life. Um, so I, I'm pretty happy taking him there with my second pick. Yep, See, when you that's... say the mayor in this generation, they're going to think of my pick, Chase. <laughs> you know who the real mayor of Boulder is now. You know, there's term limits. And my guy's still running. Ooh, okay. All right. I mean, that's fair. Evan, Evan Batty is beloved. So I can't, I can't knock it. I just love, yeah, I love Evan, but it was, it was definitely a reach in terms of being able to number one overall, man. Okay. I, I got to defend this <laughs> ultimate comeback story. Great kid. Great attitude. Got to love it. Also, well, exactly. to be clear, we, we love Evan. I just, you know, we're uh, whatever. different criteria, different criteria. I, I get it. All right. So with my pick, yeah, there's there, there's still a lot, a lot of really good talent out there. So much good talent, but for me, I gotta take QB national championship team Darian Hagen, and he's still. And I know we're not adding the criteria of still being involved with the team, but I mean, he's still involved with the team, and he's been around for a long time. He coached Philip Lindsay as well, and I got Darian Hagen. That's that's my guy right there. 
I definitely think our criteria is different. I'm going for all-time favorite buffs, not all-time buffs. That's Ooh. what we were going for, right? All-time favorite? Uh, okay. I mean, it, as as you've said on other podcasts, th- there's kind of open-ended rules to these drafts. Jake, it's, it's pretty clear you're doing your own draft by yourself, so you keep doing whatever you think <laughs> you're doing, and, and Sreyas and I will continue doing our draft. <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting cooked. All right. Man, for my next pick, I feel the pressure. I got to go to football. I got to go to football, guys. We got we got some good basketball representation. This one's gonna be controversial again. I don't think you guys have this have this guy on your board, but he's one of my all time favorite CU players. He he's a real motivator of the team. Small guy, but a big attitude. I'm going with Philip Lindsay. Mm. I love Philip Lindsay. That's a great pick. Local that's that's my kid. It's my only Broncos jersey. I got a Philip Lindsay jersey. Uh, you, you gotta love Philip Lindsay. Come on, you know. You know. In terms, I see your criteria now. In your own criteria, Jake, you're winning. In your own criteria, so Thank I gotta you. give Thank it. To you. You. I guess we could define that a little bit better, right? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I've got a football player. I've got a basketball player. Um, you know, I think when you think about Colorado and you know the university and what we excel at. Um, you know, for me, it was pretty clear it was time to take a look at the skiing team. But, you know, why limit yourself just to the skiing team? So I decided to take Jeremy Bloom here, uh, football extraordinaire, ski team, Olympic medalist, uh, someone who was absolutely screwed over by the NCAA, someone who was instrumental in getting Coach Prime to commit or come to the University of Colorado. Um, give me Jeremy Bloom in the third round. Thank you. So before I before I pick, did, did Jeremy didn't Jeremy come in fourth place? in moguls or something I, I didn't think he actually medaled in the olympics i thought he came close and he won other stuff but i don't know if he was an olympic medalist he's a gold medalist in my heart serious <laughs> i think I that's object. all that matters i object <laughs> slip the facts here Dave. <laughs> all right so there again still a lot of amazing talent left on the board here so in terms of my criteria and who I appreciate. So I already, I took my, took my national championship quarterback and now I have to take my greatest quarterback in CU history, Cordell Stewart. <laughs> so, and again, another guy who's still involved with the program and in some facets, I saw that he met with, with coach prime. He had some discussions with him on and kind of recruited him a little bit to come to Colorado. And he was one of the m- biggest game changers in the nineties in terms of uh, option quarterbacks that could run the option and in the NFL too, not just at CU with a cannon of an arm too. He was a total game changer for the game. So uh, sticking with football here and quarterbacks and there, there you go. Cordell Stewart, baby. All right. For my last pick, we're only going to do four rounds for this. I'm going with a wild card. I don't know if you guys had this person on your, on your board. But they're both a great athlete, great person, represent CU well. I'm really happy with this pick because I have football, I have basketball, now I need an Olympic athlete. I'm going with Emma Coburn, Olympic medalist Emma Coburn. Great pick. Great pick, especially in the fourth round. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking about you want all-time greats. Now, the only reason that I feel comfortable taking this this one in the fourth round is because Sam was not on this podcast. Otherwise we would have both taken him with our first round pick. 
Um, no. You know, Sreyas said that he took the greatest quarterback of Colorado oh, history no. earlier. And <laughs> no. um, I actually disagree. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and take um, the greatest ever to, to ever do it. Someone whose jersey I own. <laughs> go ahead and give me Cody Hawkins. Oh, um, number yeah. seven on the field, number one in my oh, heart. No. And uh, I do want to say... There. I do want to say for reference, I almost took Eric Bieniemy here. I think we should have given him a shout out earlier in this podcast for taking that Washington Commanders job. He was wrongfully passed over um, for head coaching jobs, and I'm excited to see him get a chance to prove that you know he's the guy. But um, I thought about Eric Bieniemy here, but it was always Cody Hawkins. Uh, thank you to <laughs> Sam for not being on the podcast tonight. Otherwise, Cody Hawkins would have been my number one overall pick. Oh my goodness. So you just proliferated the same issue that results in Eric Bieniemy not getting jobs, right? <laughs> you took another offensive coordinator who's now, I guess, now a head coach at a college football program, and you took him over a more qualified. All right, come on. I got to be honest, Reyes, when Get you put it here. that way, the optics are not great. <laughs> no, no, no. Chase's draft board is just burning to the ground after that one. Oh. You know, I, this, I think it's going to create some controversy, but real uh, Colorado fans on Twitter are going to understand that that was the right pick there. So I've I've taken a lot of football here, and as much as now now Eric Bieniemy's out there, it's hard it's hard for me to take against you know pick someone else. But here's someone who I I'm probably not on any of your boards, but is one of the absolute greatest CU athletes of all time, three time U.S. Open champion. Hale Irwin. Uh, that's a great pick. That's he a great is, pick. He is one of the greatest golfers of all time. Definitely the greatest CU golfer. I think there was another CU golfer that won the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship in the 90s. But Hale Irwin, is he is at the top of that list. And I, th- I believe he played – he was an offensive lineman or something when he was at CU as well. So he was a multi-sport athlete. So I'll, I'll take Hale Irwin. In, in this spot here, but I wish we could keep going because there's still way more on this list. You know, we could probably make this 10 rounds. Sreyas out here really showing his age, taking Wizard White number one overall, and then Hale Irwin <laughs> with his fourth pick. But you know what? Just because they're classic picks doesn't mean they're wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember watching Hale Irwin when I was a kid playing the senior tour. So I do remember watching him. You know, my mom and I used to watch golf together when I was a kid. So, um, I remember him quite well. I did not know. So my mom went to CU too, right? We didn't know at the time that he was a CU grad. So that was pretty cool. So with that, I think that's all we had for you guys on this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, take a second to follow us on Twitter. It's at Wholesome Frenzy Pod. But thanks for listening to this episode. With that, we're out. <laughs>